This is the Epilog Audio Experience. The language and content on this podcast may be unsuitable for certain audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to History Chatter. In the last episode, I had been talking about the ping pong diplomacy. It had to do with uh, a few Chinese table tennis players walking up to a few American table tennis players and inviting them over for a game of table tennis in China. Eventually, it led to the resumption of diplomatic relations between China and America. They've been talking ever since. It's been 50 years. The point I tried to make is how small human gestures lead in history to long-term consequences. Today, there's another such story. It happened during the mid-19th century. This is about how a distinct kind of movement emerged among uh, the middle-class articulate men in England about growing bad and about why they thought shaving is a terrible thing. Let's hear some of these people and their reasons. In 1847, there's this writer called William Henry Henslow who published a pamphlet. He warned the men of Britain of a danger they faced every day of their lives. He called it a fatal fashion. He said it was the cause of the rising rates of murder and suicide. He linked it with uh, immorality. And he said this fashion was instrumental in spreading disease. Frankly, uh, he was talking about something very innocuous. He was actually referring to the practice of shaving. Now, why really uh, was Hanslow after shaving? As a matter of fact, he was not alone in his beliefs. Between the late 1840s and uh, the middle of 1860s, there was a fairly large number of pamphlets and books uh, published which warned the Victorian public about the dangers of shaving. Now, this body of literature was so popular that it was widely discussed in newspapers, including um, in the Times, which uh, itself often advocated the value of growing the beard. The reasons which were offered for not... um, wanting to shave varied greatly. It depended on the prejudices of the particular authors. One author, for instance, suggested that men should not shave because it required too much time and effort. Another said that barbers should not be trusted because few of them had risen to eminence in the world. Many advocates of the bed 
put forward more serious and more compelling reasons. One of the most frequent argument um, was that shaving happened to be in some way ungodly or against the will of God. Men had been produced, um, it was believed, after the God's image. To shave was therefore to defile that image and to display a lack of faith in Christianity. The popularity of shaving was seen as uh, so important and growing so much that in 1860, one of the opponents of shaving, who was writing in the name Theologos, complained that shaving was, and I quote, a hindrance to the spread of the gospel. Now, why was shaving a hindrance to the spread of the gospel? Simple. The barber shop were open on Sundays. And if they were open on Sundays, they um, obviously appeared to distract churchgoers for uh, the Sunday masses. So, there you go. Now, there was this belief that uh, a man with a bed was somehow more naturally religious than a clean-shaven man. Now, since um, the Jews and Orthodox Christians had attended to have beds, this kind of belief um, appeared over time to gain some ground as well. The Anglicans... Um, grudgingly conceded that the Christians, Orthodox Christians or Catholics or Jews were far more religious in their worship than the Anglican people of Britain. For instance, uh, there was uh, this peasant rebellion in Kent in 1838 where the leader was John Nicol Tom. One of the reasons his followers believed in his leadership was that um, his luxuriant bed appeared to them to be a divine blessing. So if you are a leader of peasants or even the middle classes, it always helped to have a long and lush bed. Religious arguments in favor of the bed might attract some of the people, but there were others who offered more reasonable and uh, more practical arguments against the beards too. After all, the 19th century was seen as an age of reason. These advocates against the bed stressed the benefits to health, which uh, apparently came from growing a bed. One of their arguments was that shaving endangered the lives of men and threatened their respiratory organs in particular. In a time 
that is the 19th century, when tuberculosis was a common killer and when most major cities were blanketed with smog every winter, the lungs were seen as especially vulnerable. It had to be protected at all costs. Advocates of the bed argued that a thick mustache was likely to act as a natural respirator. It tended to filter the air and protected the wearer of a mustache from harm. Similarly, the bed kept the neck warm. Shaving would expose the neck, they said, to the elements, and it would therefore cause bronchitis and a certain hoarseness of speech. Um, it was called clergyman's throat. More extreme arguments in favor of the bed even suggested that shaving could cause facial cancer or blindness. Now, some of these suggestions were, uh, or today, certainly seem pretty absurd, but they were or did appear credible enough in that time. Frankly, uh, very little was uh, publicly known at the time about the causes of disease. Moreover, not every reason that the defenders of the bed promoted was entirely unreasonable. Now, there was this author called Zarzes. It certainly was a pseudonym. He suggested in a book or a pamphlet titled The Folly and Evil of Shaving that disease might be introduced into the human body when men cut themselves while shaving. Well, that's not entirely unreasonable. The belief that there was inherent hazard in using the razor was, after all, not wholly irrational. Now, the opponents of shaving, therefore, tried to project the practice as irrational, unnatural, and dangerous. And they attributed it only to contemporary fashions. Um, Xarzes, Theologos, and others like them lamented the lack of facial hair to be found on contemporary men. The newspapers of the day observed the moustache movement with some amusement. Employers at first tended to resist it. They believed the bearded workers did not project the correct public image. In fact, um, there were a number of railway companies which refused to employ bearded clerks. And it was even said that the Bank of England enacted regulations preventing its clerks from wearing moustache during office hours. Now, of course, um, what did all of this mean for the time? 
why was this sudden fashion to promote the bed? There is at the time a new kind of masculinity which appeared in um, in 19th century, mid-19th century England. At the time, the Industrial Revolution had created a new middle class. These people had been going to office and in a very distinct manner underwent a change in professions unlike their forefathers who had never gone to office away from their home or from their estate. At the same time, they could not be part of the laboring population. The laboring population were physically stronger and more muscular. But that image of muscular masculinity was not available to this new class of office goers, clerks, and managers. It is often thought, and some scholars have indeed observed, that they had uh, these men, the new clerks and managers, had now to aspire for a new kind of masculinity, and the mustache and beard movement offered them a new ideal of men. Now, the opponents of shaving compounded this belief by suggesting that there was something effeminate about shaving. Clean-shaven men, they claimed, were deranged and they became timid and bashful. Some bad enthusiasts even suggested that this was a feature, a trait, common to all mammals. And enterprising scientists shaved quadrupeds and recorded their reactions. They noted that they were disturbed by the experience. Now, um, clearly, the idea that men without beds were effeminate um, was taken as evidence that facial hair marked a firm dividing line between the sexes and their role in society. Women, it was thought, lacked the natural respirator of the bed, and therefore they were weak, and their weakness prevented them, it was thought, from leading independent lives outside the home. So arguments in favor of bearded men often concealed deeply conservative views of how society should be organized. This in turn was connected to imperial anxieties. The fact that administrators and soldiers of the British Empire were heavily outnumbered by their colonial subjects created a great deal of anxiety in these people, in the British men. So they in turn invested in a myth of the superior British male whose moral strength and physical courage in some way was uh, necessary 
to defend the empire. Now, surely that myth did not do too well when compared to the realities of the 19th century Britain. And many um, of these people um, feared that the, the urban living and a lack of moral values tended to, to endanger British superiority. So um, this fashion and defense or movement, if you like, for the beard or growing the beard among the British men in the, in the 1840s down to 1860s was connected with greater anxiety about masculinity and about imperialism. Now, I would rather like you now to tell me about your preference for the bed. Do you grow a bed? Do you want to grow a bed? Do you like to grow a bed? Why do you think growing a bed is important? How do you relate to the stories of growing beds in the mid-19th century among the British men? Please let me know your thoughts and your interests. What kind of stories do you like to hear about the past in future? This is Onirban signing off for this episode and looking forward to see you in the next episode of History Chatter. Please subscribe to History Chatter for Epilogue Media and other platforms in which it's regularly available. Bye-bye.